Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Edwin Outwater, conductor of SM2, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode 209. And we are going to uh, get the other slice of bread out of this uh, <laughs> Stefan sandwich and do album closers. That we we're made ranking. a little Stefan sandwich, didn't we? We did, with with, uh, with ranking openers and closers bread, which is my it, favorite bread. It's so magical that you know it couldn't have even been planned that way. I didn't even think about it. He'll be delighted to know that, by the I way. I know. Well, he's, you know, he's, he's the, the meaty substance in between this. Well, here's what's going on. We are at our respective HQs practicing some social distancing. And uh, which, by the way, I was thinking about that. We haven't done this much remote recording since we were like touring intercontinentally. I know. And we've just been 20 minutes apart this whole year. (laughs) (laughs) There really hasn't been that many episodes that we've been together on. I mean, other than maybe going to to Paul's studio to record. I think maybe five. Maybe five this whole year. Yeah. Which seems crazy, right? It seems insane. There, there was a couple times like when, when like the uh, you know the the coronavirus numbers here in Nashville went down a bit uh, for that very brief period uh, where you I think came over here a couple times at night. But uh, yeah, other than that, we've just been remoting it up. Well, you know, we don't have Paul Moke here, which we may have a surprise for you guys later this week with Mister Mokey Moke, and we don't have Metallicas either. So you guys are going to have to settle for boring old. Clinton, Ethan, uh, the way we've done, I don't know, over 250 episodes. Oh, these two guys? That's just all I get this week? Heads. Bah humbug. Uh, it is nice, though, to just sort of do a more calm... You know, we've been, had a lot of guests recently. Yeah. And it is kind of nice just... Uh, you're, you're like a warm, familiar... You know what? You're the big spoon, and I'm the little spoon. Oh, thank, I mean, if listen, if we're, if we're eating a sandwich, I would love to eat it with a knife and a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. And that's what we are, apparently. Uh, well, so we does, are going to... Go so I was going to say, it does, it does kind of feel like a bit of an old school episode. We're just doing a, a pretty simple uh, top ten here, and it's just, the, it's just the two of us. Speaking of old school episodes, so a listener named Stan Pearl, who's a huge fan of the show, he's, he's current, you know, uh, current episodes, but he's mm-hmm. going back on the ride. He's, he got back in line, and he's getting back on the Metal Up Your Podcast ride in Tangent City. And Man. he's making a detailed catalog of like everything that happens, like the first time we mentioned Torben, the first time all the all the characters will be documented, um, what the intro was because you know we've changed the intro a little bit, right. what the low points of the episodes, middle points, and the high points of each episode, and notes on every episode. Amazing! How cool is that? Man, that's cool, and that sounds like something I have no desire to do. So, thank you, Stan Pearl. <laughs> I I, I'm not saying that to be a dick. I'm saying that because after our first year, when we decided, "Hey, let's edit together a best of," that was a nightmare. That was so hard. 
And it we had insane. so many people help us. We had no, people that, helping us, and yeah. you and I were each doing stuff. Uh, and there were some great moments of that, but it it made me not want to do that ever again. No, this is perfect because, you know, and I, I told Stan, I've expressed my gratitude, but we're going to be able to make a really great couple of best of episodes for when it's all said and done, which is no time soon, by the way. No one get upset. and But it will be a great resource for, like, putting some of the best moments, you know? Right, I don't, right. I don't listen to the episodes at all. No, I mean, I only listen to them as I'm editing them, and I'm sure you do too, obviously. Yeah. But other than that, like, I don't, I don't, I haven't ever gone back. You know what? I'm going to go listen to 10 of our episodes from 2000. I don't don't judge anyone that does do that. I think people do do that. I think people like to hear themselves, which I get. Yeah. I mean, I I listen to the music that I write, which is a version of that, I suppose. Yeah, I do the same sometimes. But the podcast, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. It's different, though, if you're a listener. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my friend Bob Schneider does never listen to his records ever. He can't stand it. Mm-hmm. I love listening to his records. I, right. the, even the ones I didn't play on, because I, I love his music. Yeah. So I totally get it. I mean, the people who like what's going on over here, I get it. They, they, they like getting on the ride. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, as, for sure. But as the people who, quote unquote, uh, make the sausage... I don't know if I'm wanting to take a bite of the sausage. Not that right. it's made in any dubious way. I know. I just know how it's made. I know what's in it. Exactly. Man, we're crushing the culinary metaphors today. We really are, man. I mean, we have the, the Stefan sandwich, <laughs> the, your sausage metaphor just now. Wow. Um, well, listen, we should say at the top, if we don't, you know, I think we've got something cooked up for you guys for Christmas. But if we don't get that together, we should say Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy Holidays. Uh, whatever you believe, whatever you celebrate, it's a nice time of year. It's nice. It really is nice. And, you know, like, like, like you know, uh, faith aside, even if you don't believe that, uh, it's just it's a just good nice. time of year. It's a, it's a feel-good time of the year. And unfortunately for some people, I mean, it's a lonely time, and, and we're, we're sorry about that. And we hope we can give you a little light in that dark time. But, you know, for a lot of us, it is a very happy time. Or, uh, you know, even though we're in a pandemic, you know, people can kind of come together and hopefully safely and... And uh, feel feel loved. Well, I, I I always have a soft spot in my heart for people who you know this time of year is hard for them. They're they're missing loved ones, or they're a little lonelier than some of us. And uh, I was thinking about the tangents or the uh, the episode we did, the last episode with Moke and Chris mm-hmm. Yerges. You know, it was one of our best episodes, and a lot of people wrote in saying the same. And I think one of the things that was so fun about it is that I just haven't seen that many people this year. So even just <laughs> being in a room with my friends was so fun. Yeah. And it, and it really made me think about the people in this pandemic across the whole world who are, feel similarly, who have, just haven't been able to have that. The human touch, man. It's important. Human contact. Yeah, man. It really is. you know. And, and the couple times that you and I have done sessions over at Smokestack this year were just like, it was just a different feeling about them because of everything that's going on. And we've been pretty isolated this year. Uh, which, you know, for a lot of us, isn't really a healthy thing, I mean, as human beings. And yeah. so to, to get in the studio with a couple friends and work on some music and make an artist happy with what we're creating is just such a good feeling. And I, I hope we could do more of that next year with Paul. I, I think I told those dudes, I was like, I could do this every day. It's like heaven. Yeah. Because the, cause all the things were there. Like the hang, the hang was so killer with the, it's kind of the same little crew, you know, it's Nate mm-hmm. Sexton and Charlie. Yeah, uh, you, me, and and then some of those those doors alternate. But um, am I leaving someone out? And then you know Zach, the Nathan Thomas. It'll, it'll usually if I can't do it, Nathan will do it right. on bass and stuff. Right. But. Um. So yeah. So anyway, for all of you out there who are maybe it is a tougher time, just know that we we feel that with you, and 
we're here for you, man. We're here yeah. for you, baby. And you, you know, got we, Metal we, Up Your Podcast to listen to. And you know, like always, we we really hope that uh, you know this the little podcast that could brings you a little bit of joy during this holiday season. It is funny that after all these years, it is still just the little podcast that could. I know. Man. One of the notes, one of the notes that Stan teased out of like the second episode is me saying. I wonder if any Metallica nerds are going to like this. <laughs> well, uh, if if time has proven anything, it is uh, there are a few. <laughs> okay, well let's let's quit um, talking about how great we are. Although I it's know. one of my favorite subjects, to be honest with you, it really um, is fun. Let's, let's move on to some of the housekeeping, and then we'll get into these lists because I am very curious what's going to happen with the lists. Um, as I was making mine, I surprised myself. Mm-hmm, same. And uh, I think that's going to be fun to burn down. And then, of course, you at home, all you lovely people out there all over the world, you make your own list, too, and we'll contrast and compare. That's right. So we have the uh, Patreon. We have three new patrons. want to give a quick shout-out to them. Sphine, Havard, Roy, Amir Kastandi, and Dave. Just simply, Dave. Dave. Thank you guys so much for such a, uh, a beautiful uh, vouching of support in such a strange time. The mm-hmm. Patreon's what makes the Metal Up Your Podcast world go round because it's the way that um, the, the support over there enables us to make the show as cool as it is. Giveaways, ticket giveaways, box sets, the mix. We're doing the mixtapes now, which you've been. That's right. Your mixtape game has been real serious over well, there. Well, listen, I've been making some personal mixtapes mix for some friends over the last week. I just did my third one last night, and to me, it's just, I'm just prepping myself. It's 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 more of a training montage, like in Rocky Four. Climbing that snowy mountain uh, to, so I can get the most quality mixtape out to one of our listeners next month. Well, the cool thing about the mixtape community is it's it's not just going to go to one listener; it's it's going all over the world. That's right. It's a true tape trading community. So people are people are getting the tape, they're dubbing it, and then they're sending it on to another person on the list who wants it. And then everyone who gets it signs the J card with their name and their country, so it's almost like checking out a library book all over the world. Awesome. So did you, also did, you making, sign, did you sign the first one then? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have, but I well, didn't. Well, eventually, maybe after like you know 20 or 30 people, maybe someone can send it back to you just so you could sign it. <laughs> but you've been making yours from vinyl, and yeah. you've been printing out custom J cards. So you're, yeah. you're, you've, you've leveled up. My friend. And yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a crazy high quality printer, but I'm just doing just straight black and white J cards. But they're all custom, you know, to what to what the genre is. For instance, I made one last night for my friend Aaron Hartley, who you know as well, uh, big vinyl geek here in Nashville, and uh, he wanted me to make him like a old school reggae ska one. So I, you know, designed it specifically for him, and I put you know to Aaron from Ethan on it and stuff. It's like a little love letter. Um, we also have the iTunes. You can go leave a positive review. And I keep forgetting to do this. Let's just do it right now. Chris Ewens, who is a listener and patron of the show, donated, you know, these new, like, they're like hand size, a little bigger than your hand, little replicas of Metallica guitars. He sent mm-hmm. us two of those. So cool. A, a Kirkwin and a James one. And I've been wanting to give one of those or give them both away because they should be a set. Yeah. Don't you think they should be a set? So really I want to give, huh? I said they really should. Or should we just do to give them to two listeners? One Screw each. Screw it. Two listeners. All right, two listeners. Ethan, Ethan, listen. When Ethan speaks, that shit is settled. I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. A vegan Ethan has spoken. There will be no animals harmed in the giving away of these prizes. There will be no animal products in this cheese. Wow, haven't heard from him in a while. I will not be wearing leather jackets, please. 
No life till pleather. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is how it's going to work. It's real easy. It's real easy. Go leave us a positive iTunes review. This is only in the U.S. Sorry to our international listeners. You know we love you out there, but shipping things to you gets dicey. Mm-hmm. So here's our and they can't leave the review that we can see. So if you leave us a positive iTunes review, starting today, whatever today is, what's what's Monday from here, the twenty first? Uh, the twenty first. All right, leave us that review. Make it colorful. Write something fun and funny. It's going to make us laugh. It's going to give us a chuckle. And most importantly, it's going to help the podcast. That's right. And we will pick two of those winners on uh, the next show. And that's as simple as that. We will ship these bad boys to you. Thank you to Chris for donating them. Um, We're on the socials. We got this new Discord. If you don't know what a Discord is, it's basically like a message board for Metal Up Your Podcast. It's awesome. There's over 120 people there. And because it's people all over the world... There are people engaging and talking about stuff at any time of day, and it's not mm-hmm. just the podcast. It's not just Metallica. It, people are people are sharing other music they love. They're sharing recipes. They're talking about sports. Uh, every category you can imagine is yeah. over there at the Discord. So it, that link is all on our servers, <laughs> servers, all on our <laughs> socials, which and are our really, servers. I really can't recommend it highly enough for those of you who sort of feel like you are alone in how nerdy you are about Metallica. Yeah, it's really fun, and I'm not sure uh, how you feel, Clint, but I gotta say, so far, my favorite uh, chat room, if you will, to be in is Namarda's Kitchen. Namarda's Kitchen is fun because it's not just recipes, which is what it sort of ostensibly should be about. It's sort of like when you are hanging out in the kitchen at like your favorite aunt's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you and you know what you can do in that kitchen while while the you know the cake's baking? You can talk about anything. That's right, man. I've been getting a kick out of I didn't do it this morning, but I've been in the mornings posting a picture of what I ate for breakfast. <laughs> Right. And uh, it, you know, it's strung up conversation. Someone asked about what spice <laughs> I used in my egg, so I showed them. You know, Here, here's what here's what the Meta- the Metal Up Your Podcast Discord server is. It's basically one big ass tangent city. It really is. And and honestly, to to be to be a little hokey for a second, it's a place for you to really get connected and be a part of a community. So I, mm-hmm. I do recommend checking that out. Absolutely, uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and the Lunar Satan Project is done. Dude, it's, hang on. Concluded. Let me let me let me let me give you one of these. Thank you. I accept your Clint applause. Wells just about, or maybe you hit it, basically, what, doubled your goal? Almost, yeah. It was like 186% funded. Dude, that's so awesome, man. I, I mean, when that thing was like skyrocketing the first couple of days and it hit your goal pretty fast, I, that's when I was down on vacation in Florida. And I was so stoked for you. And like just seeing it continue to climb was so awesome, man. That, that All that means is more of you out there are going to get this Lunar Satan vinyl. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. So, you know, as you know, because you've done these before, you've done a successful Kickstarter. Yeah. There's a lot to do on the back end. So There is, yeah. Gathering everyone's information. I got Now I'm getting the vinyl pressed. I'm getting the cassettes duplicated. I'd finalize the artwork. The album is coming out for the Kickstarters in just a couple of days, actually. Yeah. Christmas Eve. So me and my friend Hunter put together this crazy art. Dude, the artwork for Lunar Satan, every song has its own pentagram yes. with the lyrics, but every, but every pentagram has a bunch of crazy numer- numerology and symbolism, and there's a decoder to decode a message in the entire album. <laughs> I love it, man. That's, How fucking cool is that? That's so cool. Was that his idea or That's yours? my friend Hunter, yeah. he's He works for the Property Brothers. Do you know who the Property Brothers yeah, are? Yeah, yeah, totally. They're based here. And right. He he does like he's way up in them with like graphic design content and stuff. He's like a content guy. He's just a total artist brain guy. Yeah, man. And uh, he's a friend of mine from Birmingham. We've been friends for like over twenty years. And so I didn't know he would be willing or able to 
help me with his DIY satanic space <laughs> opera, but he loved it. And so he brought in, he brought so much heat, dude. It's crazy. Dude, that so anyway, can't wait. They're all getting that on Christmas Eve. And then, of course, the actual physical media, then getting it out. It's just a, it's a little it, overwhelming, but it is, man. I, I've, be, been, I've been there. And, but man, once, once you kind of get all that info kind of wrapped around your head and get it all organized, there's just tedious things to do. Like when you ship out all the vinyl, it's yeah. like, you know, little things, uh, just like, you know, instead of writing everyone on all the mailers, it's like, you know, I, I would get paper and like type them all out so I could just put a sticker on it, make it easier and stuff like that. But, uh, I'm, man, I'm just excited for you. I'm excited for people to hear the record. I think you. you did a great job, and I was happy to be part of it. Well, and um, not only did you do the drums for most of the album, but the album Vampire. So I'm putting out a non-satanic album with it called Vampire. And <laughs> I love, I'm put, So I'm putting out a non-satanic record. <laughs> I do realize that it is called Vampire, and I'm saying non-satanic, but... Uh, you are going to play on a song on that album, and That's so right. is Avi Vinegar. He already That's played, right. played on it, so it's fun to just have these worlds colliding for sure. That's all, of course, yeah. All right, Three well, worlds colliding. <laughs> all right, the easiest way to get a hold of us, other than the Discord server now, is our email address, the old tried and true email address, metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com. We added a few more this week because we skipped out last week, and we're just, hey, you know what? We're just having fun. We're having a good time, We're baby. just having a good time. We are. And, and so we're going to read about six or seven of these before we get to our list. And let's do that now and what we lovingly refer to as... The Email Portal! Again, I do think that in the spirit of just shaking things up, you should lead us off. What do you think? I think maybe you read the first one. Hey, you know what? 2020 has been a crazy year. Why don't I read the first one? Let's do something different. Yeah. All right. First email is from Mark Faber. He says, good day. How do? How do? How do? How do you think credits work on something like Black in 2020? Uh, Jason's main contribution has been removed in that version, but I assume he will still get royalties from it. Can you shine any light on this for me? Thanks, dudes. Mark Faber. Well, um... As far as we know, they've only just posted on on socials. I don't think there are any royalties, but let's say they put it on the vi- the next vinyl club, which I think would be really cool. Yeah, because we still have three more of those that <laughs> supposedly are coming. <laughs> right. Um, we only got the first one, but you know, obviously, it's been a weird year. But let's say it's on some album. Uh, I think he definitely gets his songwriting credit. I don't think anything yeah. just because they sort of rearrange the song, the writing credits will remain. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, as far as now goes, it's only been posted on like YouTube and social media. It's not like a track you can download on iTunes or whatever. So, but yeah, he'll he'll if that like Clint's right. If they release it on on some form, he will be getting he will be getting his uh his 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 share royalties. All right, Jay says, what's up, brothers? Let's get one of those in there, Ethan. What's up, brothers? <laughs> Just want to say that the last few episodes all actually have been awesome. Very entertaining listening. Clint, you did an amazing job in Ethan's absence. Oh, he's talking about the Tom Quee episode. Your chat with Tom Quee on the doodles was very cool to listen to. Your journeys into Tangent City, honey, please. When you got on the topic of the Dark Tower, I found that very cool. I'm a huge Dark Tower and Stephen King fan. And your interview with Nick Wall was amazing. You could spend 13 hours talking to him and not even get close to the 10% of the stories that man has to tell. I agree. And Mick has a podcast called Get Your Rocks Off, where he tells all these stories. So if you like Mick's flavor and Mick's sauce, which I do, you know, Mm -hmm. we became buddies for sure on that episode. And 
Go check out his podcast. It's just a bunch of crazy war stories from his insane, oh, <laughs> insane yeah. days uh, in the <laughs> rock world. Um, I was driving from Charlotte, North Carolina, New Jersey to Atlanta listening to that this past weekend. I could listen to you talk to him or more to the point his stories for the entire drive down and back twice. LOL. I listened to your episode today with Paul and Metallica's Mr. Yurgis and your ratings of the album openers. I always enjoy when you have Paul as your third host. And adding Chris was a nice bonus. He actually only lives about 20 minutes away from me here in North Carolina. I thought that was cool. Anyway, not going to bore you with my entire breakdown of the album openers, but for me, my number 10 is Frantic and my number 1 is Battery. But Fight Fire with Fire was a real close second. Ride the Lightning is my favorite album, but we all know what Master of Puppets has done for the genre. Good point. Great opening to an absolute masterpiece of metal. An auditory onslaught of absolute attitude. Yeah. That was like a wrestling slogan. That or it was like a... You, like that would be the little sticker on the front of the Lunar Satan totally. record for, for people in the store to read. An auditory onslaught of absolute attitude. <laughs> anyway, guys, keep up the awesome work. Say hello to Torben, Dave, the Joyces, Pawpaw, Tumbleweed Ron, and everyone else. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that this late in the game, we still got a character as funny and cool as Tumbleweed Ron just I pops know. up out of fucking nowhere? It's crazy. I feel like at some point before this podcast is done one day, we need to have Tim Brown actually make characters, like draw all these characters and bring them to life. Well, I mean, we love Tim Brown and Nick Makoviak as well. Any of the awesome people that have done artwork for us. There's a new guy who is a single podcast theory fan, but he's, I guess he's a Metallica fan too. And he's an Sweet. amazing artist. And he's been doing art of like their characters. Awesome. And he reached out to me and said, he just hopped on the Metal Up Your Podcast ride, and he was like, I'm going to be doing art for all your characters. So Okay, there you go. And his artwork's really great, too, so we'll see. Can't wait. So here's an idea for a future show. Pick two songs per album, the 10 studio albums, and make an ultimate 20-song playlist. They can be either hits or deep cuts, but you can only pick two songs per. It would be a very interesting to see what you guys would pick. Also include Paul. Talk to you guys soon. Your loyal servant, Jason Berkowitz. That's cool. Uh, P.S. I only want three things for Christmas this year. My battle vest, my hair, and a turntable. <laughs> my vest, as we know, is thrown out by my stepmother, so that's not going to happen. My hair bailed a long time ago, too. So that leaves the turntable. Hope my kids come through. Oh, and I agree with Metallic Claus. The S&M version of Outlaw is effing amazing. I love that track, and for me, is the ultimate version of the song, Peace and Adios. Well, thank you for the awesome message, Jason. Yeah, what are you thinking then about a two, picking two songs? So I guess you got to pick the two songs, which is a... Which is a you know that's an adventure, and then you got to sequence them. Yeah, the sequence. I would say the sequencing would be that's always the tougher part than yeah, actually picking sure. the two songs. We still haven't sequenced "Unload." Hey, well, maybe maybe we, we can do that soon. Yeah, what if we do the follow up episode to "Unload" like a year later, and we finally <laughs> sequence it? Oh, another episode that we are doing, by the way, is we're going to uh, sequence the "Granddaddy Use Your Illusion." That's right. That's that will be, be an episode with Moak. Yeah, non non Metallica related for the most part. Um, yeah, usually what we call it Usually Illusion Three. I think we just call it Use Your Illusion. That's true. Good point. <laughs> Use Your Illusion Zero. Well, because it's the grand, you know, because honestly, on both albums, songs can go. Yeah, that, it, that isn't going to be that hard. Although I, I I do gotta say I like all of them. Even my world I like, but but it go if you're making a a fifteen both I think. Usually, one has sixteen songs. Usually, two has fourteen. Yeah, so I think a good compromise to say fifteen songs. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. Now, I like my world. It's got a strange charm to it. But is that going to make the fifteen song Use Your Illusion Granddaddy album? No, no, nope. So anyway, all right. Thanks, Chris. That'll be fun. Chris is the next email. Chris thanks, is the next one. Jason. Jason. 
<laughs> Thank you, Jason. Jason All right, next team. Chris, next. listen. Be a buddy. Hey. Don't read my email next. Bye. Hey, listen, be a buddy. Uh, next email is from Metalliclaws himself, Mr. Chris Yerges. He says, ho, ho, ho. What's up, brother? Brother, just one? There are two Fine. of us here, Chris. There are two of us here, Chris. Jeez. Uh, he says, thanks again for having me on last week. It was an epic show. What is your reaction to Bob Dylan s- selling his catalog to Universal Music? Seems like a very uh, Dylan thing to do. Uh, so it's un- this... un-Dylan. Oh, oh, sorry. I read that as uh, <laughs> uh, a very Dylan. Uh, Dylan thing to do. That's like totally uh, Dylan. That's, that's so Dylan. Um, <laughs> might this have other ripple effects with other artists? Sayonara. Happy birthday. I'm just saying happy birthday because it's HB. It it's, for hun- it's for Honey Badger because that's Honey his Badger. nickname. That's right. Um, yeah, it is a kind of seems like an undoing thing to do. Uh, at the same time, uh, throughout his career, he's always kind of thrown curveballs to his his audience, you know, for all the way back to him going electric. No, know? he's the master of the curveball. He is the most uh, mysterious and interesting person in rock and roll history to me. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is coming from a guy that admittedly I'm obsessed with him, but I I also read like 20 books about him. Like, I, yeah. I got real deep. He is a very, um, I don't mean this in a bad way, but a very strange cat. Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, you got to be to write songs that he wrote the, some of the best songs in the world. Yeah, for sure. When he was real young. And, and he, anyway, I don't want to bore anybody, but yeah, it, 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 it shocked me. I was really pleased that the day that that news broke, several people texted me. I was like, oh, I'm like a Dylan guy to these people. That made me happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Because, because people always send me like Kiss stuff, and right. it's a little embarrassing. Like <laughs> Too much. If someone sees anything Kiss, they send it to me, and I'm kind of like, oh, I'm the Kiss guy to that person. Yeah. Um, but to be the Dylan guy, I was like, it made me really proud. Yeah, so anyway, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, it looked like he sold it for somewhere around $300 million, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, that's chump change. Um, the only thing that kind of surprises me is why would he not essentially at some point leave that in the hands of his son, Jacob Dylan, who's an amazing artist as well, and kind of let him decide once he's gone one day how his music gets treated. Uh, that was just kind of my only question. Well, this is all this is all speculative. We don't really know why he did it. We just know he did. And yeah, it was for about $300 million. And uh, I think he did it so he wouldn't burden his kids with it. I think he did it to basically make it easier for them. Because, you yeah. know, he's getting up there. I think, I, think, I think it is motivated by him creating security for his family. He's a very, very... He, people don't know much about him because he's so private. He's extremely mm-hmm. reclusive, and so are his kids about him. Yeah, but he's an extremely devoted dad. He was yeah, always yeah. he was a great dad the entire time. Um, the very few quotes that you will find Jacob talking about his dad, he basically says, "My dad came to every baseball game I ever played. My dad still has my baseball from when I hit a home run when I was a kid." Man, that's so cool. So when you think about how, I mean, Dylan has basically been touring since the mid '80s. It's called the Never Ending Tour. Mm-hmm. He he's tours every year, all year. Yeah. And given all of that, he still was a part of his kids' lives that whole time. I know. It's crazy. When he had G.E. Smith join the band from like 88 to 92, G.E. Smith was playing guitar on Saturday Night Live. Right, yeah. He wanted G.E. G.E. was like, I got to stay and do Saturday Night Live. Bob had his entire tour for those four years work around SNL's schedule, which means that for four years, for however many weeks, 30 weeks, he didn't play Saturday nights, which is, yeah. as you know, the big money night when you tour. Right, exactly. So those, are, those are the kind of things that Dylan does that no one knows about that 
I think show a depth of character in him. And I think he sold his catalog to to take care of his family and to keep his family from having to deal with it. Yeah, that's true. Because, I, you know, Jacob Dylan, I, I get it. He's a musician. And by the way, on his own merits, an amazing songwriter and an amazing musician. I, I love The Wallflowers. Dude, The Wallflowers and Jacob Dylan's two solo records are fantastic. Like, They're he's so just, good. He's he's amazing. Um, But I think even though he is in the industry and all that, I don't think Bob, as a dad, and this is me speaking as a dad too, you don't want your kid having to untangle all that because it's a huge mess. Like mm-hmm. having to having to deal. Like look at what's happening with Prince's estate. You know, like they're releasing a bunch of shit, and some of it's not great. It's just it gets really messy. And so yeah. for Bob to basically say, "I made the deal, real cut, real clean. No one's going to argue. No one's going to get upset. You know, it's not it's not done, being done with me dead. It's it's just real clean." Yeah, I think that's why he did it. And there might be something in in that uh, deal that was made that. Maybe he specified, like, I don't want my music used for these reasons or yeah, we, for these subjects or whatever. Yeah. We, don't put it in a McDonald's commercial, you know? Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, they're going to get all the streaming royalties. They're, any, any any box sets or anything they package yeah. from, from here on out with blowing in the wind in it. But, I mean, I was just thinking about even if you just take ten of those songs, dude. I'll even take five, okay? Blowing in the wind, uh, knocking on heaven's door, all on the watchtower. Um, uh, times they are changing, and hard rain's gonna fall. Do you imagine the publishing on just those five songs? Like a just Rolling those Stone? five, yeah. I mean, just the just the publishing on Knocking on Heaven's Door, dude. I know, insane, and and <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I just keep thinking, like, watching TV and seeing a commercial. The McRib is back. Knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door. <laughs> <laughs> the McRib, holy shit! Uh, cool. Chris asks, "What are the ripple effects for other artists?" That's interesting to think about. I mean, I already saw that David Crosby was saying he's going to do the same thing, and he, his yeah. angle was more like he, he, like us, is very grumpy about streaming revenue and just how fucked artists are getting. Which, by the way, Jimmy Page just was in court fighting for artists and 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 musicians to get paid more for streaming. But um, good. David Crosby's like, I'm going to have to sell mine too because we can't tour right now. And we don't have any publishing money. Yeah. So he's like, that's just what artists are being forced to do is to sell their work. He, he kind of came at it from more of a like, this is what we're being forced to do. Here's what you're never going to get, an explanation from Dylan about why he did it. You will never, ever get that. Nope. So it's hard to know what his motivations were. And it's hard to know if he did it at the right time. If he if he could have waited a little longer, if he could have gotten more money. I think $300 million is a little low. But It seems like it for the, the kind of catalog that he has. Um, but who knows, man? I mean, he's getting older. He was probably like, you know what? What's that offer? Sure, I'll take that. I already have enough money. I don't need three hundred million dollars. You yeah. know, more more than True. likely. True. But um, but yeah. And no, anyways, that's that's all I gotta say about that. Thanks, Chris. All right, Alex Johnson writes this one's for Clint, brother. I was listening to the last podcast, and yes, it was quite possibly the best one yet. I heard your comment about being the only one receiving hate mail, and I wanted to reach out. As someone who has sent a negative email before, I wanted to apologize. Oh. I didn't remember this, honestly, because I've gotten a handful, and I, I don't, I don't say, I don't save them and reread them <laughs> uh, on a on a rainy evening. He says, honestly, we disagree on a lot of topics, but that shouldn't prevent people from being considerate and respectful. So, apologies for past hate mail, and I wanted to say I'm on board with supporting Lunar Satan. I got the vinyl and cassette, and if you do see these in the future, I'll get one of those too. Maybe since I'm local, I live in Madison and work in East Nashville, 
We could work out a socially distant pickup time and forego the shipping. I know shipping was included in the Kickstarter, but that's not a big deal. I would just love to get the final product as soon as possible. Keep rocking on and much love, Alex Johnson. Well, Alex, first of all, my homie, I forgive you. I think I forgave you whenever that happened. Please and, uh, forgive me. No, no, I do appreciate the sentiment. That was very sweet of you, and and uh, it means a lot to me. And thank you for supporting Lunar Satan. And I'm, you know, very happy to work out a, a local socially distanced way to to uh, get the album to you. So thank you for the email. It's very cool, Alex. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, next email is from Jason Bauer. He says, "Hey guys, love the show." All caps. Uh, I'm only on episode 15, but man, it's great. Like some of your other listeners, I I too have been listening uh, track by track, following along and learning new things. Or the what if episode? God, that seems like ages ago. I know. Um, on the one it, uh, what if episode, you guys predicted S and M two, and I flipped because obviously it happened. I can't wait until I uh, get to an episode where you guys predict what's on the album uh, and see if if it mirrors the actual album. Uh, P.S. You guys are going to hate me, but I really like the Saint Anger album. Sweet Amber is an amazing song, and Invisible Kid is sick. I also can't seem to get the hardwired. Uh, sorry, get into the hardwired album. I've tried many times. I like a few songs, including Moth and Hardwire, but not much more. Um, uh, wrapping things up for me, I'll just say, keep up the great work. I love the show, and I can't wait to catch up uh, and follow along with the current events. Well, uh, listen, everyone's got their opinion about uh, San Anger. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are just kind of in the middle, like me. Um, I'm a little confused that you can't get into hardwired i get it with a couple tunes for you know maybe murder one or something like that but right i mean atlas rise spit out the bone i don't know yeah i mean you know i mean i'm, I'm gonna go, harken back to a you know a phrase from the early days and say pizza's in the fridge that's right the pizza's in the fridge and if you give it time it'll find you that's unlike right. unlike pizza in the fridge um, it will find you. It'll find its way into your world. And uh, I think, you know, it's the same thing that we tell our kid. As long as you dip in, you got to dip in and just see because records hit you in a different way depending on time and what you're going through. And, yeah. uh, you know, Atlas Rise may not be your bag, your cup of tea or your bag today, but it might be in about six months. You, I, yeah. I'm often really surprised by how differently I can feel about music based on just sort of whatever's going on in my life. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And we have one more email. This is from our buddy Jeff Firebaugh, and the subject is Wanted Fucking Dead or Alive. He says, <laughs> laughing myself to tears at work listening to episode 207, easily the top five funniest episode. Thusly, I must throw down the gauntlet. Thou hast not a hair on thy man parts if thy next cover up world blackened doesn't open with a rousing rendition of Wanted Dead or Alive. Bonus points if Paul... Doesn't tune that 12-string between now and then. <laughs> Thanks for helping keep me sane in a world of COVID-idiots. Jeff, the recovering true. Oh, I love that. Because yeah. he's, the, he's the one who, he didn't like the Black Album, right? He, uh, well, pretty much anything after Justice at one point. When I, like, when I first met Jeff, gosh, at this point, pushing, pushing 15 years, he was definitely like a true, like, you know, first four, maybe five records, you know. But it wasn't until he started listening to the podcast that he, like, even one day he texted me. He was like, hey, I have the entire Metallica catalog on shuffle right now. And hearing load and reload tracks mixed in with all these other classics really has me liking them a lot more. And now he's on board, man. And, I mean, shoot, him and I stood next to each other with you and Paul and stuff at the uh, Metallica show at Bridgestone Arena. And he, if I recall, he cried during Fuel. 
I believe he did. Because <laughs> the song meant so much to him. <laughs> I mean, I was, I don't know why, I guess because I think about Metallica every day and have for like four years now, but I was thinking about how, even though, you know, those records have, they're divisive with the fan base or whatever, they still just had huge hits on them. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to make an album that like completely alienates your, it, like St. Anger. Right, right, yeah. Which didn't really have any hits. I mean, it had videos, but like, Fuel and Memory Remains were hit songs. Yeah, so was, until it so sleeps. So was Until It Sleeps. Yeah, for sure. I mean, King Nothing was a hit song. And I don't know. I was just thinking about most bands that put out stinker albums, which most bands do put out a stinker album. It yeah. is really hard to put out 10 great albums. In it really career. is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've but, been in bands that have put out stinker records, and it just happens. Did you know there were stinkers when you were making them or when you put them out? Um, that's, that's, I've always wondered that. Not necessarily. Uh, there was, there was one, one of the, you don't have to, you don't have to be specific. Well, if you're just going to be specific, one of the, let's see, it it, it rhymes. I was just going to give you a way out of that, but then you started naming the album. You can, I'm I'm happy to, I'm happy to say it. And uh, we did a record called collapsible lung. It was last Say the band again. I interrupted you on that part. It was a Reliant K record called collapsible lung. It was the last record I played drums on. And, uh, there are a couple of really great tracks in that record. I will say, um, but overall, it went in a much poppier direction, and I, I kind of thought we were going to go back and make an, another rock record because the one before that became like this really strong fan favorite, and uh, it just didn't happen. Uh, and so that to me was kind of the it wasn't a it, it's not on Saint Anger level of a stinker in my opinion, but yeah, um, but yeah, that would be one example. But even Saint Anger had I mean I, I, James said this at the 30th anniversary gigs before they played I think they played Dirty Window with Bob Rock. And he was like, he made that little speech about anyone have the Saint Anger album, and there are people in the crowd who cheered because there are people who love that album. Yeah. And James says very astutely, he's like, you know, that was a weird album, but it found its people, and I, I totally agree. And and obviously, Stefan, you know, uh, that's one of his favorite Metallica albums as yeah, well. Totally. He's, you know, he he's as credentialed as anyone in the Metallica world. So mm-hmm. absolutely, I get for it. Sure. I get it. You know, but I do think that that uh, load and reload. I think time is kind to those albums. Yeah, for sure. To the uh, whole point of what we're saying. One more, one more quick thing to point out from Jeff's email before we move on here. Uh, could you imagine if we were able to do a version of One a Dead or Alive with me, you, and Paul at the smokestack? Here's what I would have to say about it, though. Because the out-of-tune guitar was hilarious, but if we really recorded it, here's what you don't want, an out-of-tune guitar. We'd have to tune that guitar. <laughs> the out-of-tune guitar is great for that moment. Do you think we could sing it? Yeah, that's a hard song to sing, man. I, I can't sing that high. I can tell we'd you have that. To de- we'd have to detune it to like corn. <laughs> I was already planning corn. on playing drums and bass at this hypothetical session. Yeah, who's singing it? Is that falling on me? Um, or do we get a bunch of fans, uh, podcast fans to, to submit to audition? <laughs> this is sounding more and more horrible. As that's the, true. As the seconds I'm go sorry. on. Forgive. I don't want to do any of that. Please forgive me. I, I, I wouldn't mind giving it a shot. But it's a challenge. I'll tell you something about Wanted Dead or Alive. Make fun of Bon Jovi all you want. Kill Bon Jovi, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. That is a great song. It is, yeah. It's just a great song. So is Living on a Prayer. I mean, oh, Bon Jovi has about 10 great songs. Oh, here's dude. One, here's one of them I'll that's be not there great, for you. Though. We'll hijack a rainbow, crash into a pot of gold. <laughs> Who says you can't go home? Who's that? Yeah, I don't it's like okay. It's Who okay. It's okay. Says... Yeah, I'm not really but, done with that song. But Blaze of Glory and Wanted Dead or Alive, Living on a Prayer. It's I my like life. Someday I'll be Saturday night. Bed That's of Roses. Bed of Roses. Ooh, I'll be there for you. 
I'll oh, be there for great you. Great song. These five words I swear to you. Yeah. When you breathe, I want to be the air for you. I used, oh, to, I used to couple skate to that song at the roller skating rink. Yeah, you did. In the early 90s. Shoot. Because I can skate backwards even. No big deal. Now I know what to get you for your birthday next here, year. Here was the equivalent. Here's the equivalent in 1994 of being able to skate backwards at the skating rink when you were in sixth grade. You may as well have been the caveman with the biggest spear. Like with, you may as well have been the fucking king of the mountain with the conch shell. Right. Because you were the homie. Yeah. You were the you were the peacock. If you could skate backwards, <laughs> you were the caveman that just started while a fire. While listening, yeah, you basically you banged two stones together and made a goddamn fire, and you could feed the whole village. The ladies liked it. I'll just put it that way. They liked it. It's like, wow, look at that guy. He can, he can go backwards. I'd go up to the window to like the the teenager working the jukebox or whatever, who I thought was like may as well have been fifty years old. <laughs> totally. And I'd be like, uh, I'll be there for you, bro. Bon Jovi. Can you do it next? And he's like, I got you, man, because I was a regular. Yeah. And then I'd find the lady and be like, hey, you want to you couple skate next? And then the, the first little bar of uh, I'll be there if you come on. It was just on, dude. It was yeah, just man. on. Those were, simple, those were simple times, man. Absolutely. I'm, I, I mean, this is kind of turning into a very mild tangent city uh, email, email portal. But uh, I, I specifically remember going to the skating rink and, like, you know, eating, like, your hot dog and your, and your ruffles. At the Diet Coke or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're really putting us there with these deets, man. And dude, if, you're really putting us there. I, I'm I'm doing my best. And if one of your jams came on, oh yeah, you would put all that food down and oh, take yeah. off and go to the rink and bye. Circle that shit until the song was done, and then go finish your hot dog, dude. But for me, another big album for me of that time was The Offspring Smash in 1995. Yeah. If if Self Esteem came on, bye. I just got a great idea, by the way, for a post-COVID anniversary party. Ooh, a skating rink. We rent out the fucking Brentwood skating rink. God, that is fucking brilliant. Wouldn't that be amazing? We're we're doing that. We're I mean, we are doing that. That will make that will make up for the for us not doing a party this year. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe you could pregame or I don't know if we rent the whole thing out. Maybe we could drink in there. But I like the idea of almost like no booze, just everyone's skating or what if we do that and then afterwards we all meet up at another bar or something then everyone can you know throw them back if they oh want to. oh my but, god dude we are, oh my gosh maybe, maybe we could do it this maybe we could do it in the summer maybe things will be a little less dangerous by the summer listen when the numbers go down and things seem a lot safer i love it we're doing that that's happening i love it well look let's get out of the email portal and uh let's get into these lists what do you say let's do it let's exit the email portal Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free 
downloads of every cover Our World Blackened EP. Ticket giveaways for shows like SNM2 and Slain Castle. Box sets, rare vinyl, Metallica memorabilia like SNM2 guitar picks. Email priority, meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like Hailstorm, Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, and Metallica Row Crew your very own questions. And the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our Metal Tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. (laughs) Mamma Mia. Now, how do we do this? Do I know that we did it before, where we did ten, to, everyone did their tens, and everyone did their nines. We've also done these types of lists before, where one of us will burn our whole thing down, and right. the other one will burn theirs down. Is it better to just ping pong, ten, ten, nine, nine? I kind of like doing the ping pong thing, because to me, it opens it up a little bit more for some discussion. Okay, let's do that then. All okay. Right. Um, we do not know what each other's lists contain. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the future holds. We That's don't right. know. We don't know what we're walking into here. But I do think it's going to be fun. Well, and as Doc Brown said, the future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Did Doc Brown say that? Yeah, he did. The it's future just like, is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> That's what I thought. The you were future say. is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. <laughs> roads. <laughs> where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> that will be forever one of my favorite bits is Dave Mustaine reading Back to the Future quotes. Okay, well, I guess I'll start us off with number 10. Do it, man. And I will say I have become more and more fond of this song as the podcast has gone on to the point where I even like it now. But I did have to put it at number 10, and that's Metal Militia. Well, um, I understand why you did it. Uh, it's a great tune. I love it. It's a it's a great closer on Kill 'Em All. But I, too, put it at number 10. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were maybe thinking I was immediately going to put uh, all of my hands down there. But I don't know. I thought about it. And again, number 10 doesn't mean it's a bad song or I hate the song. It's just I got 10, 10 options here. And so I had to put it last. There's definitely from seven to one are songs that I absolutely adore. So the, the, the three here at the bottom are ones that are at the bottom because I don't like them as much. Okay. But after after that, it gets dicey. So, okay. So number nine for me is all within my hands. All right, we're man, we're tied then. I know that I know we're going to disagree on the next one though. Uh, maybe. Well, we'll see. So uh, I put all within my hands just because you know it's it's my least favorite album, but I do think it is a good closer. Because remember, yeah, remember our criteria for the openers was it was threefold, right? It was how well it works as an opener, how it compares to the other openers, and how well it works as the openers, meaning how it how it defines the end of the record right yeah with the opener is obviously how it sets the tone for the record but now it's like how are they bringing it to a close yeah because you know how it is when you sequence an album these things matter i'm I'm currently trying to sequence vampire and it's actually really tough yeah man it is because you want to take people on a fucking ride yeah so Agreed. all of my hands is a great closer in terms of it you get to the end and then with that kill 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 stuff you're just like yeah it's a fitting ending in fact i don't know if there's a better ending song for that album yeah, I can't um, think of anything else on there that unless they wanted to end with like a, a would have I'm sorry would have ended with a banger like a dirty window or something. But yeah, but that right. thing kind of 
I think it's in its right spot. Um, I think it's in the column of they. In, I think it would actually be not not quality wise, but um, mood wise. It's in the same column as Outlaw Torn or Fixer. It's yeah. it's a mood Call of Cthulhu. It's a moody ender because mm-hmm. sometimes they end moody, and sometimes they end with thrashy bangers. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, um, and I'll say another thing about this song. Ever since they've done the more stripped down acoustic version with Avi playing and stuff, mm-hmm. I love that version so much more than the album version. It's it's way superior for sure. It really is. It's like I, I just. I would love to see more of that, and they and they obviously have done that with you know Black in Twenty Twenty and stuff. These reimagining uh, versions of their songs. So, and to me, All Within My Hands is one of the top ones. I mean, they clearly love it enough that it's on S and M too. It seems to have emerged as a special song for James. Yes, it, for it sure. just seems to have. I don't know what it is about it, how he reinterprets the lyrics, or you know, because those things change for the artist too. I, I, he probably doesn't. You know, I think we all assume that that's kind of a Jason song. Yeah. And I doubt he feels that same way about it now. It's probably the themes have probably become a lot bigger instead of so narrow to Jason. They're probably a lot bigger, more about his, you know, his personal struggles and yeah. his struggles for control and how it doesn't that doesn't really end up working for him. I can mm-hmm. see it being a, um, a point of connection that he makes now. And and the lyrics come out so much more in this version. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, shoot, dude, if we have that version, it's probably going to go further up the list than number nine. If but it we don't. yeah, if it was that version, yes, it would it would have gone up the list for me for sure. To go back to Metal Militia, in terms of how it sums up the album, I think it really kicks ass in that department too. Like, it ends with the boots on the ground, and you know, yeah. we're the Metal Militia coming to kick your ass. It actually really succeeds there, it and does, the riffs right. are really badass. But I just don't think it can compete with these other songs, including "All Within My Hands." Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. All right, number eight. Now, I do think this is going to bum you out. I really do, and I'm sorry, but we'll I, see. Put the, I put the struggle within. Oh, that does bum me out. I knew it. I knew it would. That really does bum me out because, yeah. Um, it's my honestly I think I even like don't tread my two least favorite songs on the Black Album and again we just gonna have to constantly caveat this the Black Album is perfect but some songs have to be your least favorite because they do yeah I can't like them all equally the two at the bottom of the list for me are Don't Tread On Me and Struggle Within and I think I like Don't Tread On Me a little better wow okay yeah I mean shoot I, I think it's it's such a great way to end the record I think the intro to that song is just it's a, a bit of a, a tease to like the old school fans because the intro to that song sounds like it could have been off Justice with those guitar harmonies. Yeah. Um, and it's the most uh, uh, of that entire record, it, it has the most thrash elements in it. Yeah. Especially that kind of short bridge riff that has that chromatic. Um, yeah. I, and I, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a great way to end that specific record. Um, man, my choice. Maybe this is surprising. I don't know. Uh, I kind of surprised myself. Is my apocalypse? Mm. I have that quite a bit higher now. I th- now I do think it is a great album ender. Um, this is, of course, you know them doing like kind of the more thrashy ending stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, awesome song. Not not my favorite off Death Magnetic, but as far as uh, where it is on the record, I think it's a good album closer. Um, and uh, it was, listen, it was tough to put it number eight for me. I had a hard time deciding that. It's kind of a, it was a sleeper for me, but it's really grown. I think all of side B of Death Magnetic for a while was kind of a sleeper for me because the first half is so great. Right. And, you know, we've talked about some of the audio issues. You, you get a little worn out listening to that album for a completely different reason than St. Anger. But like St. Anger, you get a little worn out. 
And they just hit you so hard, dude, on that first half. Yeah. That by All Nightmare Long, I'm like a little tapped out. So I don't think I made it to side B as often. If I mm -hmm. ever had the, you know, the particular craving for Death Magnetic, I would always make it like halfway through. Right. But it's unfortunate because I was missing out for for years, missing out on Judas Kiss, missing out on Suicide and Redemption, yeah. missing out on Unforgiven 3, and missing out on My Apocalypse, which is pretty high on my list. But I think it's just because at that stage of the game for them to have a song so pummeling and brutal and so mature, like... You know, like I would put that song. I, I, I know Battery is not an album closer, but I would. It's a similar type of song than, as Battery. Right. I would say I would like I like My Apocalypse more than the song Battery, which feels kind of crazy to say, but it it's does. True. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's. I mean, I, I, I agree with you on a lot of those all those points for sure. It's very brutal. It's a very brutal song. And oh, it's very brutal, and, and especially that that bitchin' riff, which I think was a Kirk riff. That weird. It's so good, man. Just um, the way he barks out the verses, it's got a hooky chorus. It's it's short and strong. I think it's like five minutes long. Yeah, it's a great ending to that album. I mean, Death Magnetic is such an amazing achievement. Yeah, man, coming especially off of coming Anger? off of Saint Anger. Yeah, I, I I I've talked a lot about how excited I was. I think a lot of us were really excited to see that they still had that muscle and that power. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just they do not let up, dude. Even Unforgiven Three being the more ballad chill vibe right. they I, I don't know I've, I've gone back and forth i'm like oh i wish there were a little more like hallmarks to the unforgivens the way unforgiven 2 was but how cool is it that it there really isn't any yeah it's it's its own thing but lyrically it it carries the thread but how strong is that song like there's just such they just did not let up on that album dude oh that i mean that that's become my favorite song off death magnetic and that was the the first song I started tracking for our very first cover of Old Black and EP. I was so excited to do that song. Um, That's some of his best lyrics. Yes, agreed, agreed. But we digress. Okay, number seven. We're on number seven, right? Number seven. I, I felt bad putting these two back to back because I know this one's going to bum me out too. I put Dyer's Eve. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, <laughs> our, lists are, our lists are turning out to be a lot different. Um, That's really great, surprising. It's a great closer, and I don't know if I can think of a better one. Um, and I love, you know, I love a good mom and dad, you messed me up song. I love that. But yeah. I, I, the songs after it, I like more. Um, it's a great, it's a great ender. It's obviously got some of the fastest double kick ever. And I love that it's in the verses. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's kind of like nothing sets it apart for me very much other than the other justice material. It's right. like, it's just a great part of that work. I don't think it. I don't think it sets itself apart as an ending song as much as like, you know, as much as like Damage Inc. does. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have that tone of like, ooh, we're we're concluding a journey here. It kind of just feels like here's another Justice song that kicks ass. See, I, I would I would actually say uh, that it is a bit conclusive to me mm -hmm. because of where they were going with the Black album, um, and maybe didn't know it at the time because they hadn't toured Justice yet. There was you know when they were finishing the record. But to me, it's like, oh, you thought that whole record was pretty brutal. We're going to even explode this even more on the last track and get all this energy out. And then the next thing is going to be way different. That's kind of right. how I always looked at it. Oh, that's a good point. I see that for sure. You know, it's like, hey, you know, we've got this fire burning. We're going to just throw the rest of the gas on it. And we'll have no more gas left for this, what this is sonically. No, and then we'll move on what? to something else. You've made a really good argument. I agree. It actually is a really great closer in that way. 
Listen, man, I'm all about changing minds and changing hearts. And, and it's like such a personal statement on what I really do think is one of the more impersonal albums. Like, I don't think there's much personal about Blackened or the song Injustice for All. You know, these are political songs. Mm-hmm. Um, one could be personal, but it's really about a war guy. It's a narrative. Yeah. Short of Straw, you know, about blacklisting, Harvester Sorrow about infanticide. To Live Is To Die is personal because mm-hmm. of what it's about, but it, there's no lyrics except for right. that poem. Yeah, just a spoken What am I leaving part. off of uh, Justice? What am I, Afraid Ends of Sanity? Afraid Ends of Sanity, doesn't, yeah. doesn't seem that personal to me. Right. Uh, worried about going insane. Well, I mm-hmm. guess that's pretty personal. It could be. But Dyer's Eve, he, they, you're right. They they do kind of save... There, There is an, an explosion in that song that doesn't happen yet on Justice. I mean, it's. I mean, just the second it starts. I mean, that, to me, that could have also been an album opener as well, like a just a, a thrashy opener right right out of the gate. But I just, like I said, I, I love the way not only that it transitions us into the black album, but also I love the way that it comes out of "To Live Is to Die," where it's this peaceful. You got the acoustic guitar thing happening. Yeah, they and do that trick where they like, fade it out, so you're cranking it. Yes, and then tires you. Yeah, and then just it's so good, man. And I, I do have to point out, your cover of this is one of the best ones we've done. I'm, I'm and a pretty, lot of folks yeah. have said that. A I'm lot pretty of happy agree. with it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate that. If you somehow don't know what we're talking about, we've done four or five volumes of this thing called Cover Our Row Black, and yeah, we four. cover a bunch of Metallica songs, and Dyer's Eve's on one of them. That's right. So it's Afraid of Insanity. Okay. Um, my number seven, this will bum you out. Um, I oh, know, here we go. I went with Fixer. Yeah. All right. I, I know it bums you out. Listen, um, I initially thought it was going to be even lower on the list until I wrote out all the songs and was kind of listening to them. I was like, I do dig this song, and you know me, I've I've, I've come a long way in my love for the for the load era stuff. Um, it doesn't seem like it on this list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. You hang. Okay. You just hold on a darn minute. All right. So fixer at number seven. Fixer at number seven. Yeah. Um, again. I think it's a great closer um, on that record. Uh, obviously, a bit long, but uh, it's just a cool tune, man. And and I think it kind of encap- encapsulates that era of them just exploring and trying new things. And um, I know I, I feel I feel bad that I've in, in, insulted you a bit by putting it at number seven, but that's no, what, no, no, that, it's, that's where I, it's stuck, cool. man. I'm cool with it. I hey, you know, I've got struggle with then and Dyer's Eve all the way up here too. I, I know, you bastard. <laughs> All right, number and by the way, starting with seven with my Dyer's Eve all the way down, this was really hard because I love all these songs. So yeah, um, I've kind of gotten the the ones out of the way that were easier for me to put low, right, right, um, or high, depending on how we're delineating this. That's so right. <laughs> I have for number six, and this was hard. This was hard because, like I just said, I love all these songs so much. I have the Call of Cthulhu, dude. Me too. You have that for number six. I have that for number six, and you're right. It was hard. I almost feel like they should have ended lightning with creep, right? The, kind oh, of the shoot. way they do the way they do to live is to die, and then and then uh, yeah. and then Dyer's Eve. Well, it and could have been Call of Cthulhu into creep, or like like the same thing with Orion into Damage Inc. Exactly, yeah. Um, but at the you, same time, though, it's a cool ender. It's cool to end on like this really. It's the creepiest instrumental mm-hmm, for sure. It really is. Um, yeah, it is strange to have the instrumental be the last track, but. Aside from you know anesthesia, this was the first like full band instrumental on record, so maybe they didn't 
they hadn't really planned out that kind of uh, track listing yet until Puppets, where they had as the second to last song like on that and on um, Justice. Yeah. Uh, and on Death Magnetic, right? Is that the second to last song too? Um, You know what? I don't know. But shoot, you know it's going to show up now. Gosh. I'm Tumbleweed Ron McGovney. And even though I left them, even though I was booted on ceremoniously out of the band in 1982, I still know enough about Metallica to know which songs preceded the penultimate and the final songs on Death Magnetic. Because what I do, go ahead. I was going to say, I... I just went down to the courthouse down here, the road on the dusty old trail, and I can confirm they have decided that it was the second to last song off the death of the magnetics. I went down to the to the county square and I said, "Draw up a noose, cause there's gonna be a hanging later." And I told him, I told them, Glint Neath, I said, "At the strike of noon, we're gonna walk ten paces, and then we're gonna turn around." We're gonna see who, which sharpshooter, lives to tell the tale of Tumbleweed Raw Gunny. <laughs> this is a good one. This house is cleared. I have spoken. So let it be written. So let it be written. So let it be. Let it be done. I hate. I hate when. I hate manure. <laughs> you were totally trying to think of something else. To rhyme with done. <laughs> <laughs> so let it be written. Okay. So let it be. Uh, Son. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to hear from Tumbleweed Ron. Okay, Always so great, we, man. we agree, right, about Cthulhu. I will say this too Cthulhu from SNM1, great opener. Of course, yeah. Amazing opener. Amazing I, opener. I still would love a chance to see Orion as an opener. Gosh, they, I know, man. I think for the Fillmore shows, they opened all four nights with the instrumentals. So they were they work really well as openers, kind of get everyone ready to rock. Yeah, it sets the mood for sure. Okay, number five for me, I have Damage Inc. Okay, this is changing, all right. Um, Which is another song that was a sleeper for me. I, I, I have this weird distance feeling with puppets. I don't know why, but I always have, and, I, and, it, and it remains. It's, I guess it's unlikely to change at this stage of the game. But uh, the journey of the podcast has brought me into way more contact with the back half of that album, Disposable Heroes, Orion, um, Damage Inc. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a fucking barn burner. I love how creepy it is. I love the cliff intro. That's the, the middle best part riff. to me. The middle Kirk riff was one of my favorite Metallica riffs ever. It's a great closer, man. It's a great closer. That's why I have it number five. Yeah, it really is, man. Um, Well, my number five is Spit Out the Bone. Mm. And like the openers uh, list we did with Paul and Chris, it does feel a little weird to have something so new this high on the list because we've only spent a couple years with it as opposed to 20 or 30 years with other tracks. Um, but man, the, to me, the song is just undeniable of just the force of Metallica and, and what is still within James, you know, as far as writing goes lyrically and with riffs and stuff that it's like, man, this dude's in his fifties and he's still writing stuff. That's this good that I would put up next to a damage ink. Hmm. Well, I, I 100% agree. It's number four for me. Spit out the bone. So okay. I even have it one higher than you. And for all the same reasons, I mean, <clears throat> sums up the album. Great. It fits into their catalog great. I mean, the journey from the song Hardwired to Spit Out the Bone, the sort of dystopian, are we hardwired to destroy ourselves? Mm-hmm. 
and all of those themes coming through on the record, Am I Savage and, you know, Halo on Fire, right. Moth in the Flame, about how we are sort of the orchestrators of our own doom. And Spit Out the Bonus is this great, great cap on that. Mm-hmm. It's re- really lyrically a very creepy ending. It's it's not very hopeful at all. No, definitely not. <laughs> and uh, and and just musically, I mean, that main riff is 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 a disposable heroes level. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Real and hard to play too. I gotta say, man, when the rec- when the record came out and they were, uh, I've talked about this, you know, a couple of years ago on the podcast, but when they were releasing the videos per song on the record, like yeah. it was like once a day or maybe they did a couple a day or something. We but, still um, need to do. We need to do an episode on all the hardwired videos. Yeah, there's a lot of great ones. Um, I remember when I when they finally put out "Spit Out the Bones," the last track, and I was watching the video and listening to the song. And I'm just thinking, like, man, like this album doesn't really let up, like, no, in the way Death Magnetic kind of does. But I mean, it just obviously sonically sounds way better because you got Fiddleman at, at the helm this time. Um, and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was just like, I can't believe these dudes are still writing stuff like this. It's so awesome. Um, and we got, we got to thank Mr. Rob Trujillo too for for really. I think pushing and encouraging the guys to play it live. Yeah. I remember watching all that burn down because at that time they were releasing all the tuning room videos mm-hmm. and you could see Rob saying, let's try spit out the bone again. And they were just, pe- and I remember the first tuning room video where they played it all in one chunk and it wasn't really good. I mean, it was the sound of a band trying to figure out how to play it. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, they just worked it, worked on it and worked on it until they debuted it in London. And then it became almost a tour staple because the fans just loved it. And yeah, man. They they ended up, you know, it was a little disappointing that Robert was singing part of the verses, but that's kind of how they had to figure out how to do it. And mm-hmm. I'm really glad I got to see it live. And yeah, you had it at five. I had it at four. So what'd you put at number four? Number four, this is where uh, struggle within lands for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just I just think it's a ripper. I mean, I gave my thoughts on the song already when you uh, put it at what was yours at number nine? I think number eight. Number eight. Um, I just, yeah, there's nothing else I, extra I could really say other than just, I just love the song. I love how it ends. Yeah. Number three for me, My Apocalypse. There it is. Suffer Unto My Apocalypse. Man. It's just It's just brutal. I love it. If I were making a mixtape of my favorite stuff right now, this would be on the list. This yeah. Would, my Apocalypse would be on the, on the mixtape. Because, um, you know, I don't know if you've experienced this as much as me, but doing a Metallica podcast every week for four years is like... It has a little bit of a warping effect on your fandom. I think it's safe to say that our normal trajectories as fans has been augmented by the fact that we do the podcast. Yeah, for sure. So I think I gravitate towards songs that I just didn't spend a lot of time with before the podcast, and this would yeah. be one of them. Like songs that I immediately want to put on a on a list right now would be like My Apocalypse, Damage Inc., mm-hmm. Holier Than Thou, Astronomy. Right. Um, even a song like Metal Militia, No Remorse for sure would be yeah. on that list. Trapped Under Eyes, Slepper Messiah. These are just all songs that I didn't spend as much time with. So My Apocalypse is way up there for me, obviously, as number three. How about and, you? Oh, me? Uh, you're going to love my number three. Uh, well, can the, I guess? Yes. Outlaw Torn. You, you've guessed correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It's pretty I mean, high for you. It's pretty high for me. And uh, as we all know, going from the olden days of me not re- remembering that it was on <laughs> SNM1, uh, to the really, good old days. The good old days. And, <laughs> you know, to really loving and embracing Load and Reload, um, this song has just taken on a whole new life for me, uh, especially having it on SM2 as well. I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I really love this tune. I think it's one of James's best. Um, 
it just got it had such a good vibe and it's a great album closer i think you know it goes obviously like what you were saying before more for the mo- kind of moody album closer yeah but yeah i dig it man which I think the Moody album closer for those albums makes sense. I was thinking when we were talking earlier, when you had Fixer up at seven. Did you have Fixer at seven? Uh, seven, yeah. You know, they could have ended Reload with Attitude, which is sort of like a motorhead punk rock metal song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the Moody ending is, I think, appropriate. I think it makes sense for these albums. They're it very does, yeah. moody. They're moody albums. They are for sure. There's a lot of slow, drudgy kind of stuff. Yeah, that, they, I they, mean, yeah, it they does twist make sense. and turn. They take you on these weird rides, and uh, they rock too. But yeah, they take you on some weird rides. Yeah, uh, I have the Outlaw Torn at number two. Okay, and for the same reasons as you, I, I, the reason it's not number one for me is because it's long. It is, yeah. And I know that a lot of people, <laughs> they, you know. They think we're wrong about wanting it a little truncated. But to me, the power of the song is in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the verses, James's vocal. I love that James solo the where he's using his volume knob. Yeah. Super into That goes into the Kirk chaos solo. Yep. Which is basically, I love those noisy, just chaos solos. Yeah, for I, sure. I think he, he does one at the end of Bleeding Me, too, where mm-hmm. there's no real decipherable solo happening. I, I would love to see the tab for that. <laughs> right. It's just a lot of fast tremolo picking or whatever. But after that, with the the Outlaw Torn jam, that I know they were real big on these kind of bluesy E minor jams. Yeah, totally. And, and honestly, there's some of that in Fixer, too. But I feel like with Outlaw Torn, I'm like, all right. But I think that's just because they they hit you so hard with that lyric and that vocal performance at the top. Yeah. So I have that at number two. How about your number two? My number two is Damage Inc. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just brutal and nonstop. And, you know, like you said before, that beautiful cliff intro with like the bass swells, um, it just never lets up really. Once, once that, once that kicks in with the gah, gah, gah thing at the beginning, man, it just never stops, and I think James's vocal performance back then was so good. Um, yeah, man, it's. Uh, I agree. My, that song is so killer, man. It is. My number one and number two were tough to decide on which was going to take the top. Well, let's get to number one. My number one is Fixer. There it is. Got to give it up. And I'm not. You know, I think there's people that are like, he just did that because he's a real guy, and I, I did it. I did it because that's what made the list for me. Um, I think it's one of James's best lyrics. It's a mm-hmm. lyric. You know how lyrics are so good when... I was thinking about this when I was listening to uh, Locomotive the other day. On I've been listening to Use Your Illusion 2 a lot. Yeah. I know these lyrics back and front. I've re- you know, I could write them down, but I still... I read them in the liner notes. I was even reading the liner notes the other day, just checking them out, just having fun. Yeah. And these are lyrics that, however many years later, 30 years later, are still sort of like ponderous to me. Like, yeah. They still make me think, and they, they sort of... I don't know if you like... You just... I used to look at the TV when I was a kid and try to look into like the. I thought if you looked to the side of the TV, you could see into the set. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I thought you could see more if you looked differently, and I feel like these some songs do that lyrically, where you're like, you look at them a little differently, they open up in a different way. And mm-hmm. Fixer to me is like that. Yeah. It, I, some days I know exactly what he's talking about because I emotionally am just resonant with it, and some days I'm like really curious about what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, totally. Three X's for the stone and all this shit, mm-hmm. and uh, it's cool, man. It's just like psychedelic stoner. It's like Metallica meets, uh, you know, Coc meets Alice in Chains meets fucking Monster Magnet. It's just got this great stoner yeah. rock, <clears throat> and I, 
I'd love to hear a full-on stoner rock Metallica album. I just think that would be so killer. I don't think I don't know if I'd like to hear that now, but where they were at in the mid '90s, yeah, a stoner rock album would have been great. So that would have been. I'm cool. a sucker for that shit, and you know, my, I covered Fixer. I love the song. It, mm-hmm. it was clearly a number one for me. Yeah, well, uh, a clear number one for me is Dire's Eve. I would have guessed that. I mean. It's just you know what's funny is I had that at seven. Both of our number ones, the other person had at number seven. Yeah, and we had what th- we had three of them match up. All with my hands, metal militia, and Call of Cthulhu. It's pretty cool, man. And our our spit out the bone was pretty close. Yeah, you had it at five. I had it at four. Right. I think the biggest upsets were you had my apocalypse low, and fixer, and fixer, and I had struggle within and Dire's Eve low. Yeah, that really pissed me off, man. You seem real upset about that it. That really chapped my hide. I think if I could have made a list for you, I would have guessed Dyer's Eve would have been number one, which I would have been right about. I yeah. would have had Struggle Within at number two for you, because I know how much you love that song. Yeah. Well, you know, that just shows the power of uh, Outlaw Torn over the years for me, that I, it just become a song, like you said before, that you just kind of slept on for so long uh, with, 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 you know, kind of deep cut tracks. And it's just it's just taken on new meaning to me and new feeling to me over yeah. the years. So uh, that's why it's just it's climbed the list. That's what's really fun too, like this stage of the game of maybe some records that you you overlooked. And I mean, honestly, I've had this a little bit with Saint Anger is like the opportunity to be surprised by the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like Dirty Window. I love that song so much. And to I don't I don't think I would have said that four years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't think Dirty Window is going to make my top 10, but it'd probably make my top 20. Yeah. I mean, shoot, you would talk to me before we do this podcast, and I, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to San Anger, probably when it came out. You know, or yeah. every once I'd, re- I'd re- revisit it as like a joke, like, haha, look at that. Listen to that snare drum. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. But diving deep into records like that because of this podcast are what make me appreciate things about them more. And, you know, rewatching some kind of monster n- numerous times and knowing what they were going through mentally and physically and stuff uh, all made sense. And so that's, you know, that's why I do put that record on from time to time. And I swear by the moon and the stars and the sky. I don't know why that came to me while you were saying that, but it's all good, man. You can serenade me anytime. Who was that? O-Town or or 98 Degrees or something? I don't know. You know, my wife would know, but I, I don't know, sadly. I sadly don't know. <laughs> well, listen, um, it was good to talk to you. Good to you see too. you. Those are our lists. You at home, write in, metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. Let us know what your lists were. We always get a kick out of seeing that stuff. Getting a kick of uh, taking, we like to take the pulse. We like to keep our ear to the metal up your podcast soil. That's right, man. You know, like in uh, Lord of the Rings, when uh, Legolas would, is it Lord of the Rings? Yeah. When Legolas, Legolas yeah. would, he'd put his ear to the ground and he'd be like, Horses are coming. Horses you know, drawing near. An army's coming. They're at least two days away. But he'd he he'd hear it from like putting his yeah. elf ear to the ground. So awesome. That's pretty cool. Sounds great. Well we're basically like that. We're basically like Legolas. Yeah. Uh, on our way to Mordor. And uh we love you guys out there. And I think we are going to have a special treat episode for you next Monday. If we don't we just want to, again, wish you a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hope you're taking care of yourselves. Hope you're safe wherever you are. We appreciate everyone who listens to the show. Go leave that iTunes review, and we will pick a winner to give away those guitar replicas. Actually, we're going to pick two winners, we decided. Yep, two winners. Pretty easy way to win some cool crap, right? Yeah, and I, I just got to say, I can't stop thinking about renting out a roller skating rink. <laughs> I know. It's such I an re- amazing idea. Oh, we have to do it. 
just take over and it's just you know metallica playlist all metallica playlist yeah totally get, get a, a roller skating pit going <laughs> i think by the time things are safe to open up again i think people are going to be stoked enough to travel for that yeah i think we would have people like actually come into town which we've always had people who came into town for every party oh yeah for sure but i think more more people than usual would be traveling just because we miss it, we miss seeing each other, and it's such a bummer we're not going to get to have our fourth year party. I know. Um, so we're going to stay on top of this idea for all of you out there who are curious about it. And uh, in the meantime, it's been great staying connected on the socials. So go go follow us on the socials, and definitely go check out that Discord server and uh, come be a part of the community. Me and Ethan dip in every day and, and talk with people. So Yeah, it's a good time for sure. Um, I guess with that, we will bid adieu and say peace. Adios. If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>